The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about why merchandising matters to B2B brands. Joining us again is Johan Bostrom, who is the co-founder at InRiver, which is a product information management company. Their SaaS solution helps customers build better experiences, and they're on a mission to make their customers the best in the world at marketing and selling their products. And yesterday, Johan and I talked about the role of adaptive merchandising and why merchandising is important to B2B brands. And today we're going to discuss why the future of merchandising is adaptive. Okay, here's the rest of my conversation with Johan Bostrom, co-founder at InRiver. Johan, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. Excited to have you back on the show. We had a great conversation yesterday talking about what merchandising is and why it's not just a B2C and e-commerce phenomenon, why it matters to B2B brands. My big takeaway from our conversation yesterday is that merchandising is not just about putting the right product assortment in front of somebody. It's about understanding who the customer is and being able to guide them on an experience that's relevant to them. Talk to me a little bit about how merchandising has developed. Where are we today and where are we going in the future? Merchandising, I mean, it's a wide term and it can be interpreted many different ways. The way we interpret merchandising is actually making it easier for a buyer to buy a product. And we discussed that in the previous podcast where we discussed the value of getting a universe around the product with services and parts and everything in place. I think that when you look at B2B, B2B is not only industrial manufacturers selling to other industrial manufacturers. It is also a manufacturer selling via a dealer distributor network. So what we have seen the last few years has been a rather rapid increase in the need of syndicating the content to Home Depot or to Walmart or to Granger. So when you look at that, merchandising becomes a lot harder because if you look at your own websites, you can create a really compelling buying experience and guide your buyer, making it really easy for them to find what they're looking for. But when you are selling to a third party, which is for many of our customers, maybe 90, 95% of their total revenue, that becomes harder. So the way that merchandising needs to work is that you need to blow the full content to have increased content on the pages of Amazon and Home Depot. And they're different. There's an overlap between the content that you can produce and present and that they can present on their site. 
but there's also slight differences. So the customers that we cater to today, they syndicate a lot of this content to these different third-party endpoints. And they need to take into consideration what is the best way of merchandising in those endpoints too, with the limitations that they have. So one of the things that sticks out to me here is that when you're merchandising and you're changing the product assortment that's on your webpage or a property that you own, you have all this information about the buyer. And what you're suggesting is that there's merchandising that's going to happen on third-party platforms. I'm having trouble connecting the dots between, okay, I'm going to sell a B2B product and I'm selling it through Home Depot or wherever it is. How does Home Depot know what product description to show, whether somebody is a new purchaser or buying a part for an existing product? Well, right now, I don't think they actually do. What you can see both with Amazon and Home Depot is that sort of the enhanced content or A plus pages or whatever we choose to call it becomes necessary in order to be able to describe your product properly. Because an image and five bullet points can't describe most products that our customers are trying to sell to their customers. So the way that the market's heading is that our customers need to syndicate more advanced content to these channels and to really be able to quickly adapt when those channels change. Because what you can see is the buying behavior of the B2B buyer, and actually it's the same as the consumer. They're starting with a search, so you first and foremost, you need to get found. And if you want to get found, well, the content is the key to get found. That's what every search engine will index, whether it's on Home Depot, Amazon, or Google. So you need to be able to get that content in order to be able to be found. When you have that, you need to be able to merchandise it in a way that is fairly generic because everyone's going to see the same page. But the good thing about having the enhanced content pages is that you can actually use video, you can use 360 spins, and you can have more content available for your buyer. But it's a lot harder to do good merchandising in a third-party marketplace than it is to do it for your own owned channels. That's for sure. And this is something that I know most of our customers are struggling with right now, figuring out what is the right content to send to these different endpoints. So as you think about the future of merchandising and how obviously there's an adaptive component when you own the property, a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know, then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? 
Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Do you foresee a scenario where these third-party brands are able to understand the buyer experience in the same way that you would be able to on your site and start doing some adaptive merchandising? Or where does the adaptive portion come along down the road? The adaptive part when you are looking at an old channel is that when you own the channel, you can actually adapt to the customer search buying navigation behavior and thus adapt the content to them, which you cannot do on a third-party marketplace or a retailer's website. What you need to do is constantly monitor how you are performing, how you stack up against the competition in those channels so that you know that on Amazon, I have a good SEO I have a good conversion rate. And compared to these five competitors, I'm doing pretty well, or I'm actually not doing pretty well. And what is the difference between what I'm doing and what they're doing? Maybe they have more images, or maybe they've added a video, or maybe they have a better spec sheet. That is something that our customers will need to find out in the future. And that's something that we are working on to help them to get those insights into our dashboard so they can quickly react when they see that they're losing SEO or they're not getting the conversion rates on those websites as they want it to be. So being able to get more data about what's happening in the third-party marketplaces is a big thing today. And I think it's only going to get bigger because if you don't know, you can't adapt, right? That's always the challenge in whether B2B or B2C in any sort of commerce play is there's the idea of owning the data and being able to customize the experience and know who your customer is when you own the property, as opposed to going to a third party distributor, whether it's Amazon or Walmart or whatever your industry is, where they own the data and they have a large population of people that are coming to buy products. So the question, it's a little bit of the chicken of the egg. Do you want the data or do you want the people? Help me make that decision. And where does merchandising play a role into understanding where you should be focusing your attention on third party or on first party experiences? I think first and foremost, you need to have a content creation factory set up so that you have the ability to react to whatever findings you get when you start analyzing the data. If you want to get the right people on board, they also need to have the right tools in place to be able to do their best. So regardless of if we're looking at data or we're looking at people, I think you need to look at both. You still need to have that process in place so that you have a factory producing your content in the same way that you have a factory producing your physical good. That's something that a lot of companies, especially B2B companies, have realized in the last few years, because we can certainly see that when we're talking to both customers and prospects, that they have come to realize that it's extremely important to be able to produce more high-quality content than ever before. And it's constantly changing. The buying behavior is changing. The competitors are changing. And you need to keep track of this. And that can only be done by tracking data. And then you need to have the right people on board to be able to do the best with that insight and have the right processes in place to be able to react and be adaptive when that happens. So be able to change your data model so that you can tell a better product story becomes extremely important 
when you have the data available to make it easy to make those changes, to realize that I have to do something in order to outcompete or to at least get to a point where I'm getting outcompeted by my competitors in those third-party marketplaces. So as you think about the competition between first and third party experiences and merchandising playing a role, being able to merchandise on your first party experiences, what role does the brand play? Obviously, there is more of a brand impact and affinity when somebody's going to a third party experience, I would assume, than a third party experience. Where does brand play into this and how does it relate to merchandising? Brand is, and I do believe still will be very important. But we can clearly see that the brand value is diminishing and that buyers and consumers alike are searching for product properties when they are looking for a solution or looking to fulfill some dream about what they want to do. So what they do is they're not searching with brand anymore. And thus, when they see your product, it needs to stand on its own two feet. Being Sony, being Samsung or being LG is not enough to sell a TV anymore. You need to sell the TV by itself, regardless of brand. Very few people today are using brand as a key search term. And that is something that you only can combat by having better merchandising and better content. I think that's really interesting. I think the role of brand is going to be increasingly important. And I think one of the things that you can do to build your brand is merchandise effectively. Johan, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us a little bit about merchandising, specifically in B2B and how it's changing in the future. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you for having me. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Johan Bostrom, co-founder of InRiver, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Johan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Dendar Bostrom, D-E-N-D-A-R-B-O-S-T-R-O-M, or you can visit his company's website, which is inriver.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and the contact information for our guests. You can also sign up for our once a week newsletter or send us your marketing questions or your topic suggestions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much everywhere. Or you could write to me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.